0: I did want to touch on um, veganism mm-hmm. because I know that you are a vegan. Uh, Shaniqua is a vegetarian, and I am what you call a cheating vegan. <laughs> um, so I am I am the type of person that basically um, has like uh, an entire vegan meal, like a, a a tofu on whole grain rice with like a a spinach and avocado smoothie, and then I have like a small flat fried chicken wing next to my plate. <laughs> You're a part-timer. I'm a part-timer, which <laughs> some vegans might find offensive. What is it like for you, um, as somebody working in London, um, being vegan where there's such a limited range of options to eat? What is it like for you being vegan in London?
1: Well, so I went vegan uh, about five and a half years ago now, and I was vegetarian. I went vegetarian when I was 12, so the yeah. meat side of things just hasn't been a part of my life for a long time. but when i first went vegan it was tricky like you'd get the odd like i don't know crusty vegan option every now and then um kind of in in like convenient stuff you know and mm-hmm. um, and so you really had to plan like there was a lot of planning involved if you were going out for the day or whatever um, and i needed lunch or anything like that or you know i'm sure everyone's seen the memes if you were vegan back in them days you'd go to a restaurant and you were having chips and, yeah. and that's it uh, <laughs> so so those days were a bit more challenging but do you know what now over the last couple of years then obviously it's become like fashionable I guess like um trendy. yeah trendy yeah. and businesses have kind of realized there's a, there's a buck to be made so um now it's much easier and you know where um Outside of kind of lockdown times, I'm normally working in Westminster and there's loads of stuff there. You walk down yeah. every, you know, all of the different chains have different options and um, now it's
0: almost too much options, like. Nah, I mean, I, I would I would disagree, but you can continue. I would personally disagree. Oh, really? Yeah, but. Go
1: on, go on, No, you I,
0: go. I, I, I just, um, I feel like in lower income areas like Croydon or Thornton Heath, um, there's at least seven chicken shops on, on a high street high street at least seven at least um and i was complaining on twitter the other day about there being a lack of um vegan options i just to get some vegan food um i had to drive all the way in well not myself but i had to drive all the way into um brixton to go to the ui vegan restaurant um so yeah i I, vegan food should be accessible and it should be available um especially in lower income areas but of course society is not shaped like that so yeah I, I would I would disagree on that uh, I know Shanika is vegetarian as well uh, Shanika do, do you find it do you find it easy do you ever do you ever lean towards the chicken side
2: I I don't lean towards that because I have no desire to eat chicken like at all <laughs> but um, I think it's slightly better I think slightly but like you said particularly in Thornton Heath mm. it can be very frustrating to have a variety I think of vegetarian yeah. and vegan dishes I think some more slightly happening there's Near me, there's Urban Goods, and they have a lot. I really want to try it. I have not tried horrible. it yet, and I need to. Is it horrible?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We went there one Sunday morning. It, it just wasn't me. I'm sorry. Oh, it no. Wasn't it wasn't me. Sorry.
2: Well, I want to try it because there seems to be quite a few vegan options on their menu. But I often find, like, when you want to order, like, takeaway, because often you have more, more variety now because you have the Uber Eats and stuff. Mm. But often to get things like vegetarian and, not even just vegetarian, just a variety of cuisines can be very, very frustrating. Like you've got quite a few pizza places, of course the chicken and chips, maybe fish and chip shops, even though I don't eat fish, but you know, and then you have plenty of Chinese and Indian. <laughs> and I don't mind a bit of Indian, but they're just often so greasy. So it's just like, I get put off that. Yeah. And then some Chinese shops are okay, but then, don't always know but I want a good variety of, of things to like eat and like a nice variety of vegetarian things because there are so many nice vegetarian options but like there's not enough like kind of around here or like even the places that are around here there's not enough stuff on the menu like Nowhere even enough. Caribbean options for some reason they think vegetarian involves fish and I'm like no it doesn't I don't eat fish and so it's really frustrating because I love my Caribbean food, but it's just mm. like, you end up getting little sides like rice and peas and dumpling and festival. And like, occasionally if you can get some Callaloo to eat with it, it's all right. But it's like, why don't you care about the other options that I have to eat? Because I love everything else, but
0: yeah.
2: I'm missing that key bit of protein that needs to be there yeah, to so make sure yeah. that I'm healthy.
0: I get you. Cara, I wanted to talk about um, Westfields in just a second. Um, you know the whole Croydon Westfield situation everybody on Twitter is always asking on social media as a whole um, they say that the Croydon Westfield um, project was a lie a complete um, just the facade but before we go into that I need your uh, top five suggestions for going vegan so okay um, tips and ways in which somebody can get into veganism and then I'll go to Shaniqua to see what her ideas are?
1: Okay, five's the magic number today, isn't it? Um, yes. I, I'll try and think of five. I think my 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 top one. So I was a, I was a vegetarian for ages before I went vegan, and the best advice someone gave me was don't try and recreate the food that you would normally have just like as a vegan version of it because if you do that your association with being vegan is that you're always going to be missing something and mm-hmm. that it's always going to be a kind of you know some yeah that something's missing whereas if you take it as the opportunity to try loads of new stuff and um like seek out new recipes or whatever even if it's with ingredients you would normally use but just throw them together in a different way um, and yeah. then your association with it is positive and is new and is exciting so I found that very useful um I think my second one would be... Depends on your personality, I think. Like, I decided I was going to do it, and so I just did it. But I think for most people, it's a process. Like, don't feel pressured to overnight um, completely change everything you eat. Um, you know, if you need to kind of ditch one thing at a time, then absolutely do that and just get used to it. And just, you know, every single thing you drop out, you're going to be making a difference. So yeah, um, kind of take it easy. Um any other nutritional yeast that's my third tip mm. you will become obsessed with nutritional yeast if you go vegan uh, um why because i don't even know why it's like <laughs> i don't if you've had it but it's like these um flake things and they've got like a bit of a cheesy taste so right. you could use it to make like vegan cheese sauces or you can just uh, it. It can have, like, it's like the magic stuff. ingredient um, to, yeah to, and it's like yeah you if you I don't know. Go on Instagram or whatever. There's a lot of vegan memes about Nooch. Um,
0: it's even got a nickname.
1: It's movie. even got a nickname. I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with those three for now, and then I'll, I'll, cool. I'll have a think for another two.
0: And uh, Shaniqua, five.
1: Yeah. Five tips. Okay, I'll have a think of
2: five. Um, if, if um Cara, just for an idea for you, like some tips on how to stay healthy as a vegan, I think is very very key because I think that's like so. I'll let you think about that, but um. For me, I'd say, like, cut one, like, cut out things one at a time. When I became vegetarian, yeah. I cut out red meat first, because I just didn't like it, it was too fatty. Then I cut out um, chicken, and then or well, chicken bit by bit. And then I cut out fish, so I cut it out bit by bit. So do it step by step to ensure that you're finding foods to get your nutrients in and things like that, because I struggle with iron deficiency. Partly because I don't have red meat, but also because I'm a woman, so I lose a lot of my periods every month. It's yeah. not my situation. Yeah. So make sure you're getting those nutrients in and finding the foods to get nutrients in. Free, use flavor because people often complain about vegetarian food that it's not nice. The issue is that you're not using the flavor right, or cooking it right. Use flavor because it tastes great when you do it right. For experiment. Try different things. Don't use different vegetables that you wouldn't usually use. And, you know,
0: aubergines.
2: Yeah, use some jackfruit or something or Mediterranean stuff. Like, just do different things. Have fun with it because it is really fun being vegetarian. People think it isn't, but it actually is. It's creative. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely creative. And I would say, five, don't get obsessed with just putting loads of cheese in your meals because I think. Some people go vegetarian, and then they just have like, everything's just cheesy and creamy, and that's also not healthy. I mean, I just don't like cheese, so that's easy for me. But yeah. like, don't run down that route because that's also not healthy either.
0: That's your tips. Yeah, that's my tips. That's very good, actually.
1: I'll add, very I'll good. add two more if I Can't, can. I got two. Onto my three. Um, this is for everyone, really. But just when Janique was talking about um, vitamins and nutrients and stuff, take your vitamin D, please, guys. Like one hundred. I, I take mine every morning. Yeah, me too, Every me morning too. Morning. That, so that one's for everyone, not just the vegans, but it just made me think of it. Um, and, oh, the other one's gone completely out
0: of my head. What was it? Run it back, Turbo. Ah, it's gone
1: completely out of <laughs> my head. No, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. Oh. I, I, I'll, I'll drop
0: four, I'll drop four. The first one I would say is delete Uber Eats, delete Hungry House, and delete Deliveroo immediately. The reason why is because no matter what, food you want to eat, whether you want to be a carnivore, whether you want to be a herbivore, those are the three, all those food apps are the biggest money wasters, time wasters, and just, it's the enemy of veganism. Those apps are the enemy of veganism. Um, I would also say, like Shaniqua said, that it is a process. Um, I think if, I think don't feel guilty, like I said, for having like a tofu curry with a chicken wing next to it on your plate. The, the, the vegan gods aren't gonna take you in the middle of the night i, I feel like people people want to be vegan but they they can't go completely vegan at once so it takes them some time so it is a process um that i would say embrace like it's okay to have dairy milk but vegan cheese and then slowly have an alternative dairy milk so like oat milk or almond milk or something like that and then vegan cheese and slowly just let it take, let the process take you, let go through the motions and go through the phases. No one just drops meat, drops milk, drops cheese and eggs and everything all at once and then suddenly becomes vegan. So, yeah, I would say it is a process. I would also say, uh, say to try some uh, fast food vegan chains. So, one of the things that I think I said earlier was in areas like Fawn Heath, like Croden, there are ha- um, uh, a lot of chicken shops on the high street. So, I think that immediately makes chicken so accessible and i think one way to replace um meat is to find alternatives you can't replace a chicken shop and then eat of like vegan rice and a stew you need something that's the equivalent of of a fast food chain undoing like the wrap on a burger or you know that just small things like that that psychologically like program us you know when you have a burger and it's wrapped in that plastic things like that you go to a vegan fast food chain and you do the same thing it's got the melted cheese and everything It's messy it's greasy yeah. just psychologically trick you into 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 being vegan so yeah try some fast food uh shops as well and as cara said meal plans so those are my five I don't know what you guys think you make me laugh Elliot <laughs> the greasy cheese. I'm looking at you like what on earth
2: I don't want greasy and spicy cheese i have, like, no, you. You have to no. <laughs> trick yourself you trick
0: yourself
2: I mean some people need that I'm just looking at it like I'm really Fair disturbed enough. by the chicken chops anyway so I'm kind of like you yeah. know what just take them away because I'm very I, yeah. think, I think how do I just eat chicken from these shops I'm just yeah. looking at them very disturbed like <laughs> please people for your own good and health Keep eating from
1: Allow the it. <laughs> I think, okay. I think, Elliot, what you touched upon though is a is a really important point with veganism. Is that I think, especially because of Instagram and stuff, I think a lot of people can see it as this really like bougie, really expensive. Like you know, you've got to have smoothie bowls and you've got to cut your vegetables into bullet mushrooms. bullet nutrient bullet <laughs> blenders. Yeah, that yeah, cost, like, 100 pounds yeah,
0: yeah. on Insta on, on exactly,
1: Amazon. Exactly, exactly. But like that's just the branding around it, right? Like mm. some people off Instagram are making money off, but like that's not veganism that's not the kind of um I guess to kind of coin a political term like that's not the grassroots of veganism like most vegans don't eat like that so um I think it is important to like not all vegans go vegan because they want to be healthy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, cool. And in the same way that, you know, not everybody needs or wants to be healthy all of the time. So I yeah. think having that variety of vegan food available um, is really important because yeah, nobody's nobody's living off smoothies I, for the rest of the I, life.
0: Have, I have a good friend um, that I met in Scotland on the mountains called Alex. And she's she has a page on Instagram called Vegan Alex, vegan instead of the E with a free and she often posts like simple things like vegan stuff that she's got from Iceland or from the supermarket just simple things like replacement chocolate bars uh bread just simple simple things that that she just got from the store to 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 kind of put into her diet and she that like she's a vegan influence. she promotes that type of stuff so it's not all about the luxury around it that's just the branding but in the reality it's just simple things that you can you can pick up from Tesco from Sainsbury's so yeah I, I, of course, but like, you I, know I, what's
2: really great and it's vegan. Tesco's own brand, crackers. Like they have these nice sea salt crackers. And they amazing. have for somehow a kind of creamy taste. I don't know how they do it. But those crackers with some hummus, hello, that's good <laughs> stuff. And that's purple and that's vegan.
0: I do, I do get down with the hummus. I do. I do get down with the hummus. Um so yeah, we've got our vegan tips and we will put those out. Uh, Westfields. Um, yeah. speculation, was it a lie? Uh, was it a facade? is it real is it coming what, do you have any opinions on that and uh, what's happening
1: yeah no so it, it was real for sure um i think the the difficult a lot well the vast 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 majority of this happened way before i was elected um so mm. i don't have any um inside exclusives for you unfortunately um mm. i wish I, I wish i did um but it was real it was basically trying to as I understand it, trying to kind of match up what the council wanted and what the council needed from that development and what the developers and the, uh, you know, Westfield themselves and a couple of other companies that were involved wanted and needed. Um, I think there was some communication um, downfalls with a lot Mm -hmm. of it. Um, I think there was some kind of, letdowns on certain uh, we, I wouldn't say promises but certain kind of um, things that were committed to um, then didn't necessarily go ahead and things like yeah. that which, which put a stall in it and then essentially what the problem that we got into is that the process had been going on for so long yeah. that shopping malls don't work anymore people don't really go to shopping malls and actually when you look yeah. at the work in Stratford for example um, like obviously you know on the face of it, great development when the Olympics was going on, but has it benefited the local community or has it just been something that loads of people from outside have come and enjoyed and then left again? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, people aren't really using it anymore. Um, Whether that be because of online shopping or whatever, I think what we're seeing on high streets and stuff now is not during lockdowns, but the things that gets people onto a high street tends to be those experience things. Um, Maybe coffee shops, restaurants. Yeah, like stuff where people can socialize, that kind of stuff. It's less about, I need to pop into and to go and get some jeans, right? Because yeah. a lot of people, not all people, but you know, a lot of people will get it online. So I think it then fell into trouble because when they were looking at the plans, um, they were like, oh, this just isn't going to work in the way that yeah. it would have when they first started talking about it. Um, so as I understand it, that's the kind of. Um, Theme yeah, behind it. the difficulties that the, yeah. the troubles that they they fell into, but it was a- absolutely. I think to be fair, again, from what I've seen and what I've understood, I think the council did everything that they said they were going to do and upheld yeah. their end of the bargain as much as they possibly could. Um, it just
0: it, it was it just one of those things that just didn't make sense in the end.
1: Yeah, I think I think the timing was probably wrong, um, yeah. and I think by the time it got somewhere uh, where decisions needed to be made, it was obvious that trends had changed so much and that's not just in London, that's not just in the UK, that's all across Europe, you know, like and especially now, especially after um, the the virus that must not be named um, you know, I think high streets are looking very different currently of course and Mm. we wait and see what their kind of identity is when we come out of this?
0: So, so is it still from from your knowledge, obviously, from what you've heard whispers or rumours? Is it still happening, or um, is it has it just been swept under the carpet and put to the side for a minute?
1: So, as I understand it, it's on hold. Um, right. Obviously, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that anything was going to happen while the pandemic was going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and obviously, we need to be kind of conscious of the fact. Of the financial position of councils now as well and how that plays yeah. into it um so i think yeah it, it's pretty much on hold at the moment and i think we need a a, a new plan um for what for what people use the town center for for what people yeah. want the town center for and and we need to build around that i think it's really exciting that we're getting the the university for example um i think a really good fit for Croydon and will bring a lot of benefits and so it's you know what else can we put in place around that um that makes it somewhere that people can spend time in rather than pass through
0: yeah I think um uh, Shaniqua is, is going to add something but I, th- I I think that the scope the general scope of high streets is changing um and this pandemic has revealed some frailties in our society high streets right now town centers are desolate there, like, have you ever seen those zombie apocalypse movies when all the shutters are down and it just looks like a, like, it looks like what I think it's that Will Smith movie I Am Legend or something, and it's it's just he's just walking through the town and everything is just so dull, so boring, so bland, very depressing. Um, Shanika, do you want to add? Is there a way, Shanika? Shanika was actually lucky to have her face on a shop during during <laughs> like a pandemic. So, congrats to Shanika, you, you actually done something in the town centre, but is there a way for both of you that um, Croydon can improve and uh, change into a more progressive town centre, more pro- progressive community? Um, Shanika, I'm going to start with you.
2: Go um, also, sorry for the cough earlier, I had the virus, I should not be named, last month, and ever since then, I've had a cough that would not leave me alone, it's disgusting and rude, but anyway. So That's um, okay, that's okay yeah and the face thing thanks that which is really weird but that was all Croydon bid and that face thing is really really weird and cool but also it's really sad that my face like I think I think if I'm right like, I've been told I haven't seen it the one in East Croydon is gone but the one in North End is still there and it's sad that that's been there for like over a year because that means that 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 shop front is empty and it's been empty for ages and I think the sad thing with Croydon is that it's been empty and desolate like, for such a long period of time. Like, there's so many empty shops. There's one end of the all that has been empty since I was a child. I'm 28. And I've been yeah. closed for over like, 10, 10 years. And I don't know what's going to happen with anything. But all I know is that the town centre needs a revamp and needs a lot of care. Because Croydon is just like, that town centre is very, I would say slowly, but um, it's very quickly dying particularly with all these shops shutting down because of the issues with retail on the high street. But, like Cora was saying, the key thing is about the experience of things that you put in there that aren't just about shops. Like, the reason I think the one that's done really well is Shepherd's Bush Westfield is because they have that whole luxury design area, which you yeah. don't get everywhere else, it's not a specific thing. Having all those places in one place is not is not particularly normal. That's the standout thing there, so you can go in there and enjoy a bit of luxury, it's different. but you need to make it specific for the place where it is. Like, West Cre- West London's often known for luxury and things like that. Creelan's got a personality of community and resilience, art and culture. And yeah. there's been some great things already, like, in um, Litgaston art towards the bit where the flyer over is. You've got this, you've got turf projects on the bottom and you've got Creelan art store so that people can have exhibitions and do workshops and workshop spaces for a while zoo theater company had like a theater space there as well they did like theater they had workshops there those things are great because it means that people in organizations in Croydon who do great work have the space and space as we know is very difficult to find in Croydon cultural organizations sorry individuals are crying out for them so we need more things like that interspersed with the shops on the high street again we need to redo the Witcher Center because whatever happens, Westfield, Hamilton, I don't care at this point. I really yeah. like don't care who you know has to redevelopment. What we need is someone to come and redo that building that looks old and looks tired and leaks all the time when it rains. Like we need to have those <laughs> things and to replace those empty empty shop fronts with more things like for arts organizations, with more galleries, with theatre spaces, with a nice little poetry cafe, I'm a poetry. Of, cafe. Of, we are the London Borough of Culture, so I'm surprised that these... In 2020
0: well, yet, 2023, 2023 are supposed to be. of course, of course. But we should, we should start seeing these things being implemented, no?
2: Well, we should. But the issue is that a lot of those... There's a lot of weird things involving those spaces, like... And oftentimes, people want to move into spaces and they can't. So there's that frustration and it's also... How are they being supported? What are the rents like? And again, we have the whole issue now with the council's money problem. So what happened then? So, and it's it's all really weird because who do they deal with? So it's, those things should be in place. I agree with you. But as I've noticed, being around cultural and community spaces and even at times corporate spaces, things in Croydon seem to work very murky and very confusing and don't seem to work for the good of people in Croydon. And that's what we need to change because people in Croydon, the grassroots organization, Turf, are absolutely amazing. They do great work. And I've seen them struggle with space and it's so sad because they are beautiful people, lovely people, doing great things. They are the people that make Croydon what it is. And they have struggled, they haven't always been treated as right as they should be. So, we need to be doing more things for those organizations in Croydon to have these spaces to make it easier for them because they want the spaces, they will make use of the spaces, and they make Croydon great. But they're not being supported enough.
0: There we go, they're not being supported enough. Cara, do you want to um touch on that in terms of what making what could be done and what should be done to make Croydon a more um. Optimistic town centre and a more progressive town centre and community?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think everything that Sneek said is absolutely spot yeah, on. Yeah, she, she, she kind of hit the
0: nail. Um,
1: she just smashed it as usual. Um, so I, I don't want to kind of attempt to re say any of that, yeah. but I think, I think it's an issue with. It's not. It's not just an issue with Croydon, even though there are specific things that go wrong in Croydon that I think other places do better. Um, but I think as a society, for quite a long time now, we've really put being open to commercial investment ahead of creating spaces. And like when we talk about space, and like what we were saying earlier, right? Space is so political. Like mm. space is one of the most political topics we could talk about because how much of the space that, in, that there is in Croydon in terms of like actual land, in terms of, um, you know, buildings, in terms of anything you like is publicly accessible, right? Yeah. Not, not very much. And, mm-hmm. and and again, that's not just us, that, that's across the whole country. Um, because we just haven't built as a society that respect and that priority um, for arts and culture and community to be at the forefront and in my view again I agree with Shanika I think that is what makes Croydon what it is Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you know we we must have all experienced it where we maybe meet people who've like never been to Croydon or whatever and they've got all these preconceptions of what it is and then come here and they see this identity and they see this personality and they see the talent and the kind of lots of talent on show yeah yeah absolutely and and people don't realize it and I think we're I think historically Coyton's done a really bad job at prioritizing that and I think we still unfortunately fall into that category um I think the interesting question that I'm not sure I know the answer to is how do we do that and where does that come from yeah Um, because again I think the kind of Elected systems that are in place are quite limiting, um, and I talk about that as a general point, um, not not necessarily as a Croydon specific one. Um, so, how do we do that as a community? I think, and I think we've got so many incredible people, and that word's used to to. <laughs> but we really, we really do. Um, yeah. that, that how do we, how do we pull together to, to take ownership of those spaces and to kind of demand that that is the thing that's the priority? Um, because without that demand, I, it, it won't come. You know, like we really need to take it from the grassroots upwards. And I, I don't know what that looks like in terms of achieving that, but I know that we've got the people here um, that certainly believe in it enough. Um, you know, I mean, I've sat down with conversations and had conversations with the guys at Croydon FM, and you know, like you see the yeah, yeah. stuff that they've pushed through to get to where they are, and stuff like that. Yeah. With very little support up until recently. 100%. Um, you know, and that's because they're people that believe in exactly what we're talking about and know that there's no option but to have that stuff on offer. Um, and so, I think we, there needs to be a broader conversation around Croydon about how we. Create that space about how yeah. uh, who's responsible for creating that space, who's responsible for managing that space, who has access to that space, and um, it's a big conversation because it's something that the ha- hasn't done for for generations. I think.
0: Well, well, we have a we have a new cabinet. Sorry, qua, I know you was going to go in. We have a new cabinet um, in the council, so let's see what 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 they can put out of a bag. Uh, it's a shame. Are, are you you're not a part of the new cabinet, are you? No,
1: no, no. No, no. It's, a,
0: it's a shame. We have great, great councillors like Cara out here, uh, but, but no position. Shaniqua, over to you.
2: I was going to say the conversations about space have been happening for a long time, actually. Like every time I go to meetings regarding cultural something or change something, like space comes up every single time. And I know that in and Heath, I think there was, was it a pub? I don't know which pub it is that's been closed for ages. Mm-hmm. And people have wanted to. You know come together and make it like a really amazing kind of art center and they're just yeah. not able to do it because I just think it's owned by certain people who are being really horrible and irritating and I think again there's just a lot of things owned in Croydon that aren't owned in people by people in Croydon and there's a lot of weird mm. things in it and I don't even and before the council wants to take it over I'm sorry I don't even trust them taking it over at this point now I don't think I'd even want them to take it over at this point now because I don't know what they're going to do with the buildings who knows where the money will be going yeah People want to take over things. It's just there's so many things standing in the way of people in Cruden who want to do stuff, and I've been trying to galvanise for Great years. Great things as meetings. well. Great things. Yeah. Yeah. And they just can't. And there's issues everywhere. But I think there's just so many obstacles in the way of people here, and it is what you're saying, Cora, about commercialism. It is everywhere. But for me, I speak for Croydon because this is my home and I see it Mm -hmm. just really rife here that everyone's excited. when we've got Fox Park and we get Legacy Youth Zone, which is, again, has done some great things. But again, it's from outside people coming to save Croydon. Everyone's Yeah, I don't like that rhetoric. amazing and really cool. And And it's just like, but no, Croydon was always amazing and could be cool, but you didn't market it the right way. That way, exactly. exactly. And little things like it would it be the new shoreditch no thank you we want to be Croydon because Croydon has a um personality Croydon is so resilient it's different and has to a beautiful community strength that mm-hmm. is on the ground is the is the most amazing wonderful thing and we bounce back from everything the people who are on the grassroots are doing things we bounce back all the time and we are always putting in the work but mm-hmm. no one sees it and it's just really frustrating because it's either something really amazing like Borough of Culture and Box Park on Westfield, which isn't fully even always to do with us. It's other people putting things onto us, or it's, oh my gosh, Croydon Council is bankrupt. So we look embarrassing. It's just like, okay, but what about the Croydon who is Croydon? highlighting those things to make it really amazing rather than just trying to pull on the tokens like we're gonna like pull on Stormzy the Croydon boy but you yeah. didn't even let it perform it how many years ago because of your back that because of the ban on having certain dramas of music
1: before Ooh, yeah. so I'm like
2: we need to sort it out of what we're actually yeah. doing and what we're actually about to make Croydon the amazing place that I know that it is and mm-hmm. why I feel proud to call it home it's those people like what I call the real Croydon the Croydon peoples that's mm-hmm. what makes Croydon amazing.
0: It comes down to it comes down to organization. Um, when you're raising all these points, Cara and Chinekwa, it comes down to organization. There's a lot, we have a lot in the pot to cook, but we don't cook. People, mm-hmm. people that are in certain positions aren't pulling their weight, aren't pulling enough strings. Um, and that's why it looks like a complete catastrophe at the moment. So um those were some really good points that you guys raised on the progression of Croydon. Um, hopefully like I said when the pandemic slowly uh, improves I hope um, we can look at like I said utilising some of these spaces um, within the town centre one of the things that happened last year um, that me and Cara spoke quite a lot on um, off of the podcast and just privately was the whole Black Lives Matter and Winston Churchill um, statue and faces like uh, displays around the city. Um, Cara, do you want to um, touch on your initial thoughts on the Black Lives Matter protest and then the counter-protest from the right-wing side?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, first of all, I want to acknowledge the fact that whatever I think about, the kind of summer of protests and the Black Lives Matter protest, like, I had the privilege of experiencing it as someone who, whose life isn't under threat because of the colour of my skin, right? So, mm. very aware of the fact that I was, it was a privilege for me to take part in those protests, yeah. um, without me having to put my life at risk. Um mm. And building on from that, I think my my, <sighs> I guess my biggest takeaway of going on those marches and having been on a lot of marches about a lot of different things, a lot yeah. of demonstrations, was how the, like, the feeling of being there was like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um yeah. Was incredibly moving, incredibly emotional, um, and really terrifying. Really terrifying that we it, I don't know, that it that it's taken so many of these things to happen all of the time yeah. and just because it happened to have a spotlight on it this time, people started paying attention and people panicked and, you know, businesses panicked and wanted to put Black Lives Matter on everything <laughs> to show, like, oh, it's not us, don't worry, it's not us, yeah. um which I just thought was weird because I thought, well, you know, maybe those businesses should have looked inside first and, yeah. you know, how many of their... How many like black staff do they have in the first place and you yeah. know out of the black staff they have how are they treated how do how do they feel being in those spaces so before you put black lives matter on everything maybe you know turn and look inside yeah. um i think i think in in white spaces it's made people who maybe didn't make it their business which they should have to be paying attention to this stuff it's made them it's forced them to to look at it and it's forced them to see it and it's forced them to listen yeah. um, and to have a conversation about it i know for my nephew um who is um seven and he came to me talking about it mm. he came to me talking you know he'd read it in his magazine that he gets and he couldn't believe it you know and he couldn't he couldn't comprehend he was trying to get his mind around there must be something else you know there can't be this discrimination just because somebody looks different I don't understand like yeah you know um and but I guess my you can hear me hanging back and I guess my concern is it's all right <laughs> you no know, about my my concern is where's it where does it go
0: yeah, like, where yeah. We go
1: From here, right? What, is, like, what, what, here what is like? does the
0: final destination look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And like you know, we see, um, we see when we watch football at the weekends, people still taking a knee. Great, like brilliant. But yeah. it's not. You can't take that form of resistance and say now that everybody's doing it, it's still a resistance, right? Like yeah. it, it, it's not having the same impact. Yes, it's good that it's still on. It's, it's keeping it there in people's minds. But what's it doing? Where's it going? Um, And how how are we going to change? How are we going to take what's happening now and make sure it doesn't fall off the agenda again, you know? There are so many Black people that have been murdered since George Floyd and we're not hearing about them, you know? And we look, obviously, George Floyd happened in America and, you know, I think there was this this whole conversation that people in the UK had to, set, had to sit down and say, look, it's happening here all yeah. the time as well. But I'm concerned about the fact that people think that now Trump's gone, all of a sudden, black people are going to stop getting killed by the police. It happened Thank under you. Obama. Yeah. It happened under Obama. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, right. it won't stop just because somebody's changed at the top yeah. um, and it won't change here. And I guess then going on to the, the other part of it, Elliot, that you were saying that the kind of far right, counter-protest is terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying because we are seeing, and we have been seeing for years, the increase of the far-right, the far-right far and extremist views becoming more and more acceptable for people to say, you know, we've got Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, for goodness sake. Like, people don't take him seriously because he's a bum- he comes across as a bumbling idiot. He is a fascist. Yeah. He is a far-right fascist. And just because he has messy hair People don't take him seriously. (laughs) But what you see is those far-right protesters could get out there and could do that and could get away with it because they knew that man at the top didn't have a problem with them. And that's the same as Trump. Yes, okay, they haven't stormed parliament yet, but how long will it be? You know, if we don't take that far-right threat seriously, then it will end up like that. Um, So I don't have anything too uplifting to say on that. (laughs) I was trying to think of a way to finish it. I without moaning, fine. yeah, that, that, those are my kind of thoughts on it.
2: I don't think he was moaning. I think what you said was the truth. And I think if there's nothing up, like I don't say uplifting, I think of positive to say. I think it's being realistic. And I think we can all try to be optimistic at times, but I think it's important that we're realistic. And I think Mm. it doesn't happen enough. And I think I was sitting there just agreeing because you were saying it's absolutely absolutely true, which is what does happen now going forward. And that's my thoughts on everything. People are always like, yeah, we had this, but I'm always like, okay, what happens next? Because I think protests can only go so far. I think it's powerful. For you know, highlighting an issue and raising a point, but what work do we do next? Like you were saying, people are coming, all these companies were coming out and saying Black Lives Matter, but it's again, what else are they doing coming forward? It's mm. great for that moment to be kind of paused and that tokenistic thing, but like you're saying, what do we do to continue the work? Because the issues are still happening. Like everyone was so excited about Biden, like, oh my goodness, now everything's gonna change in America. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Like America is a riddled, diseased, crazy country. One change from one mad president to a new older man is not going to, you know, make all the difference and be America a complete, amazing, saving grace at all.
0: I, I read, I read um, it was somewhere on Twitter and I know Twitter is not necessarily real news, but it was actually factual. When Joe Biden, I think Joe, either Joe Biden was 16 at the time or when Joe Biden was born... Emmett Till was also born the same year as him or Emmett Till died when Joe Biden was like 16 or something so it begs the question what was Joe Biden doing at that time when Emmett Till that situation happened with Emmett Till I would like to know what was he doing was he was he um like marching or protesting against what happened or did he just sit down and just live a normal life and act like it never happened that's what I would like to know Right, it's I think interesting, I, go on.
1: It's sorry to jump in, but even more recent than that, what was Joe Biden doing for eight years when he was vice president?
0: Yeah. Begs the question, begs the question. I don't think, look, I don't think um, racism, I think it can be nullified, but I don't think it, it stops. It's just too deep, it's just too deep rooted in society. And I think it's still good to, to fight for it, fight against it, um, but it's one of those things that we can only nullify and and contain but it will always, it will always, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a virus. It will always spread. We look. I think we've all seen that video that came out two days ago of that that Jake guy, the ginger guy. On, on, did you guys see it on social media? And he was saying he shouldn't have to take uh, instructions from Pretty Patel because she's a, you know what? Um, and he he publicly said it via video. And he said the the black man. He said as a white man, the black man's place is beneath a white man. Publicly, I'll send it to you guys after. I'll DM it to you. It's been all over the internet. You haven't seen
2: it? Yeah, well, I don't really like to look at a lot of things, but I'm not surprised to see that because, in all honesty, this does a lot. Also, to pretty Patel herself, she acts, tries to act like she's a certain colour, and she they defend and they know what she is. They so it's like she needs to calm down. But we're not going to talk about her today. No. But um, the thing is, like in all honesty, I'm not surprised to see these things happening because. No. Places like the USA and UK and even parts of Europe as a whole are have like inherently racist and have a lot of these issues of racism deep rooted within them. And the thing is, they've always been there. It's just because we, you know, put across this idea of tolerance and this idea of, you know, it's supposed to be a more acceptable, equal, and caring society as they supposed to be, because I don't mm. think things are as progressive as we actually think they are. Um People have been hiding it, or they've been living that way, or they've just managed to find ways to remask it and remaster it and put it out in a different face that looks kind of better. But underneath, we all know that it's really rotting and horrible and disgusting. Yeah. But I think, like you said, Cora, now with people like Trump, who are just openly doing it and finding the flames, and people like Boris Johnson, who have made openly very questionable comments and just laughed it off, like he's joking when he's clearly not joking. And anyway, there's truth in every joke. It's keep and after the whole even Brexit thing, people feel are now feeling able to you know openly say these things and behave what they've always felt and always yeah wanted to say it's just they just now, now have a platform
0: and a voice yeah they're
2: now able to do it openly and things like that and i think as, as for some reason there are certain people um there's certain white people i think for some reason who are really angry at the idea of being called racist or really angry about people who are black or asian or have they different colour of skin like you know rising up and coming to glory and then for some reason for like they have to counteract that and be like well, what about us then we're gonna defend Churchill and I'm just looking thinking I don't want to like like for me like I just feel sad looking at them because my question is rather than just getting angry it's Why do you behave like this? Like, what's actually wrong with you you, that you're upset about people wanting to do better? It's it's completely confusing to me because I always say, where did racism even come from? Like, how did it even start? And it's just really sad and confusing to see that. And I'm thinking, like, things aren't going to fully change until these people have a complete readjustment of their mind and realise that we're not trying to push you down or pull you down or, Mm -hmm. you know, nullify your life we're just trying to live our lives and not be killed and not be put down and not be made to feel like we shouldn't have opportunities or be able to reach the same level of glory that you lot are living on
0: it's true Cara did you want to add to that um you're, you're perfectly qualified to speak on this because I guess you have um great hindsight on the situation you, you, you've 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 seen and I, I guess you are uh, a socialist if, if that's yeah, the way to describe 100%. you um, and of course you are a Caucasian um, woman so I guess you have perfect hindsight to talk about did you want to add on to what Shaniqua said uh,
1: again I, I, I wouldn't wouldn't be able to say any of what Shaniqua said uh, in in half as good a way as what she said it I think just to reflect upon what you said Shaniqua about the kind of that it's the fragility isn't it like that, that that's the word it's the absolute fragility and i think it's it comes from a place where people have this power and have this privilege that they haven't worked for that, that that is just there um and they've never lived without it and so all of a sudden being in a position where people are suggesting people should be equal they feel like they're losing power um and it's because they don't understand it and it's because they, they, they've they always had it and they don't know what it is to live without it, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot, you know, I agree with you, Elliot, that I think racism, fascism, it will always be there in one way or another. Yeah. And that's why I think we shouldn't fall into this kind of liberal trap. And you're right, I consider myself absolutely a socialist. We shouldn't fall into the liberal trap of saying, oh, we'll just sit down and talk about it. You know, let's all have a nice conversation about it. Those people that stormed the capital are not going to sit down and have a conversation about it, right? They're not, not. they're not going to be re educated, they're not going to be any of those. So, I think, I think we do need to look at what's going wrong. Well, we know, like, it's a very <laughs> question, but, like, what needs to happen to for people to just have empathy, like how do we lack so much empathy how do we not show an interest in how our neighbors live and how you know how how can we not accept that we live differently and we experience things differently and how are we not open to hear that um but we also need to fight like and i don't mean that in physical sense but i mean we shouldn't see these people and say oh they're silly we should just ignore them no we should resist them we should stand yeah. up against them, um, and we should be there on that front line if they're Going to take it to the front line, then we need to join them there, um, because it's not going to it's not going to go away as of itself. These people aren't going to grow up; they're not going to grow out of their racism or grow out of their fascism. It's yeah. who they are, and it needs challenging, because otherwise we accept that we're, we're going to let it grow. And I don't think that's that's a place that we can get to.
0: Yeah, understood. Um, we are out of time. We are going to have to wrap up. I didn't I didn't uh, intend on having it such having such a long uh show this morning i wanted it to be short and snappy but sometimes you can't put a cap or silence greatness uh and Kara, thank you for coming on um thank lovely you so much for having lovely me. guest um really insightful points that you raised shaniqua likewise my co-host um like a guest she's she's also very active in the community as well um If you guys uh, could follow on social media, um, on Twitter at ElevateXL, Elevate spell E-double-L-I, similar to my name, if you didn't realise. And um, (laughs) that was a play on words that I'm I'm hoping people realise.
2: I got it. I love it. I got
0: it. Instagram is uh, at uh, Elevate underscore XL. Um, And uh, if you're interested and you're doing some great things, we'll follow you back. Kara um, will probably get you back on um, oh, yeah, whether, we, I whether, whether you want to co-host with us or, um, or do a part two on some of the things we've discussed today
1: I'd absolutely uh, love guys, it's been great you, guys are yeah, awesome. no,
0: you raised some really yeah, important points and I, I hope some members in the Cronin Council hear this um, mm-hmm. this episode um, yeah, Elevate in Excel, episode one if you're not elevating, you're disintegrating and if you're disintegrating then you're not elevating, so Simple, isn't it? Um, Yeah, over and out.